Good afternoon. It's quite common for men to make humorous remarks about their mother-in-law, and I've made my share. But the truth is, I had an amazing mother-in-law and one of the most disciplined and godly Christians I have ever known was Faith Cook. So it's Mother's Day, and we thought it would be very appropriate for Sister Hoffman to give some life lessons that she gained and gleaned by living in the house of faith. You're going to enjoy this day. Thank you for joining us today on this very special occasion, uh, Mother's Day. Um, such a beautiful holiday to celebrate our moms and to celebrate me. I, um, years ago, my mother passed away quite a few years ago and <clears throat> her name was Faith. And when uh, I wanted to set up an email account, my husband suggested that I use her name and call it Faith's Child. And uh, I always have to spell it for everybody because they always miss the S. <laughs> but uh, he's so good with, uh, my husband is so good with words, but I thought that was so cool. Faith's child. And um, she was a woman of faith. And uh, I, I learned a lot from her. And today I want to honor her and talk about the house of faith. My scripture is Galatians 6.10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> I want to pray before we begin. Lord, I thank you today for your mercy and your grace. And I ask, Lord, that this lesson and this message that I am teaching today and, and talking with today will bless somebody and, and uh, pull at the heart strings. Um, I just, I want to be used of you today. Bless all those who are watching God. They have made their way to the house of God <laughs> virtually and are hungry for a word. And I ask, Lord, that you'll use me today and anoint this message in your precious name, I pray and call it done. Amen. I want to read another scripture, and I love when I speak. Scripture does so much more and says so much more than we could ever even think. Our words cannot measure up to the word of God. So here goes. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Seraphath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I might drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it 
and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. And so I was thinking when Elijah asked, he said, just bring me a morsel of food. And then when he asked her again for the food, she said, but I just have a little. I have just a little. And he said, it doesn't matter. Fix it. Go home and do as you said before. But fix me some first. Just a little. She said, I have just a little oil. I have just a little flour. But evidently, that little was enough to feed Elijah and herself and her son. And, and it's, it was enough to sustain her through the famine. And um, years later, her son was ill and dying, and she called for the prophet. And he laid on top of that boy and prayed a prayer, and God raised him up and worked a miracle. Just think, if she hadn't given of the little that she had, if she hadn't exercised that little bit of faith in the prophet's word, if she hadn't given just a little, she would have missed a great opportunity. She would have missed the healing of her son. And so today I want to encourage us to exercise the little faith that God has given us. Um, He said to them, because of your little faith, for surely I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible unto you. So we just, he just requires us to use the little that we have. He just, he gives everybody a measure of faith. And so he wants us to exercise and stretch ourselves and use the faith that he has given. He doesn't even say to use big faith or to conjure up something that we don't have. He's already given it to us, the measure of faith, a little bit of faith it just takes to influence or to grow a big tree. We need to throw the seed out, the little bit that we have, and God will give the increase. The 15-minute prayer uh, break that we do throughout the day and, uh, and the, or the Bible reading throughout the day maybe is more uh, beneficial than us sometimes praying for an hour if we can't maintain it. Um, I remember as a, a young mother, uh, before I had children, I, I was used to spending a lot of time in prayer and Bible reading. And then when I had my children, I could no longer maintain that schedule. All I could think about was sleep. And so as I'm nursing or as I'm rocking the child, I'm praying. And I remember feeling so guilty that I wasn't devoting that time to the Lord. But he's saying, Renee, I'm taking what you have. I'm Give what you have. Don't quit just because you can't pray for an hour on your knees. Don't give up. 
Give the little that you have and I'll increase it. And the Lord sustained me through those times. Um, I remember as a young married couple, how judgmental pastor and I were with young parents or parents of, of teens. We had the highest standard and expectations. How many times did we say to each other, now when we become parents, we will or we never will. <laughs> then life happens. It's real and not a theory or an experiment. Uh, you can't give the kid back. <laughs> uh, here I change my mind and it's too hard. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want my old life back. I want my freedom back. <laughs> oh, the joy of parenthood. How do we overcome with our own set of expectations? We all have them when we uh, get married and when we uh, when we start parenting, we we bring in our own set of expectations. I have great memories of my mother that is now gone. She she died in a um, a car accident, and when we had her name was Faith Levon Johnson Cook. Um, we were cleaning out stuff. Karen's been cleaning out her house and and had boxes and memories of pictures. And there's a picture here of our whole family together. And they posted it on Facebook. I think my brother or sister, I don't know which one posted on Facebook. And I said, oh, this is the, this is my favorite picture of our whole family. And uh, my brother Paul said, uh, yeah, I think it's the only picture we have of our whole family. <laughs> well, no wonder it's, no wonder it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, so we were cleaning out and, um, you know, we had memories of mom. Mom was the queen of self-help books. And she would keep a whole, like uh, the, the thin Tupperware box. She would have all her books underneath the bed. And they were all self-help. When we, when she died and we started clearing out her stuff, we went underneath that bed and there was book after book after book of trying to improve herself. Um, even um, so much as diction and and how to write and what was proper and what wasn't proper. And um, she had a very poor and modest upbringing. And um, she was always trying to improve herself. And um, we all pretty much got that trait from her. My mom was a righteous woman. She was very disciplined and she would play, she would uh, map out her day almost like in 50, she always had this little, um, little um, schedule book, you know, um, calendar book. And before even, um, you know, these Franklins or these organizers were in vogue, my mom would map out her day almost every 15 minutes. Uh, she accomplished so much in a day. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Proverbs 31, 27 says, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. And that describes my mother perfectly. I never, she was very industrious. I never, um, she just was always in a project or making good use of her time. She would um, wake us up. She would get up every morning at five in the morning and have her devotions and pray. And then around six, she would start making us breakfast. And we didn't grow up with a cereal breakfast. We grew up with a cooked breakfast, eggs and bacon and pancakes and oatmeal and 
and always balanced. She'd always have uh, uh, fresh oranges or grapefruit cut or cantaloupe. Um, very balanced breakfast. She'd wake us up uh, when it was time for school and us getting ready. She'd wake us up with a, with a glass of orange juice and vitamins. To this day, I can hardly take vitamins. <laughs> what a thing to be woken up with. And because we lived close in a farm community, that school wasn't very far, so we would come home for our lunches. And um, then we would get home uh, from school for the day for about 3.30. And as soon as we walked in the door, we washed our hands and got ready for dinner because dinner was at, on the table at 4.00. Uh, we went to bed at the same, very, very routine and structured. Um, she was a marvelous woman. And, and the thing was like, um, I don't know how she maintained that as a preacher's wife. I'm, I'm thinking of my life and how hectic it can sometimes be. I don't know how she did it. She was, a, she really was amazing. And she made it look so effortless. Mom didn't have an easy life. She was widowed at the age of 26 and had two boys um, under the age of two. Um, her husband got leukemia. Ten years she was widowed. And then my dad, Paul Cook, came along and swept her off her feet. And a new life began. <laughs> he was a home missions um, pastor, had built a church in Ohio, and it was a whirlwind. They had a small little house. She had three children in a row. Stair step children were, uh, my brother and sister and I are at, at one point in the year, we're all like a year apart in age. And um, revival after revival, the, in those days, the evangelist stayed in the house with you and you cooked all the meals. You didn't go out. And the revival, the meetings lasted from Tuesday to Sunday. It was very, very, uh, uh, strenuous. And I had, I had no concept of that kind of life or that kind of adversity or that kind of challenge. Um, my mom was a woman of strength. And, um, she said for the first couple of years that she was having the children, um, she felt like sh she thought she needed glasses. She was so dizzy. And all it was is that she wasn't getting enough sleep. <laughs> Um, it was a whirlwind for her. Proverbs 24, 3 says, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding is it established. My mom was a church secretary and the peacemaker. She was always on the phone calling saints, checking on, on them. She had compassion for people who had difficult situations. She was a true Christian. I never remember her lecturing us about what we should do or not do. The only thing I can remember her was saying, don't get in trouble with boys. Don't, um, <laughs> she'd always say, don't get mushy with boys. <laughs> if I go on a date, don't get mushy, don't get mushy. <laughs> or she'd tell Paul, my brother, be gentle with the girls, they're delicate. Um, she lived a godly life, um, she was just always so principled to a fault. <laughs> I never remember her making fun of anyone. She would always, um, she would always say, be careful because you could be in their shoes someday. She was very conscientious and, and kind. 
um, and lived it inside the home and put those principles in us. Um, I didn't appreciate my mom the way I should have when she was here on earth. Um, I was a different, I had a different nature than her. I was more easygoing. I felt that she was too rigid and structured. Now I regret the phone calls that I ignored or the birthday cards that I didn't send or the flowers uh, that I sent instead of a card um, because I didn't plan far enough in advance. Um, I, I was more easygoing. She was so thoughtful, always with the cards on time, always a gift of money in the card. She would always have a thank you card if we did anything special for her. Um, I remember that I didn't cry at her funeral. Um, I, I almost felt guilty because I knew she was with the Lord and she was better off. And so I felt like, um, I don't know, I pushed the emotion aside. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't grieve for my mom like I should. And then one day at Thanksgiving, I was um, trying to find a recipe and realized it wasn't written down and we had lost it forever. I, in fact, I, I went to pick up the phone to call my mom and realized mom's not here anymore. And I just had a breakdown. I cried and cried and cried, remembering my mother and what I had lost. I can't talk about her or see her anymore like I did, but there are seeds of faith and treasures that she left me that I inherited from the house of faith. She didn't accomplish great things. You never hear of her life written down or um, really anybody even remembering her except her children. But there were treasures that she left me, treasures of thoughtfulness, um, I'm not disciplined like she is, but she would send cards, like I said. Treasures of faith. She was always planting and cultivating and watering and growing and investing in a soul. Always. She had the treasure. She gave me the treasure of honoring. She honored my, my dad. She honored her parents. She kept, she, um, took care of both my, um, both sides' parents, the, uh, the Cook side and the Johnson side. Both sets of parents she nursed. Um, in fact, her hands were crippled with arthritis from um, the lifting of um, and taking care of them. She left a treasure and an example to my children, not just to talk a faith, but to, to have a walk with God. Um, she gave me the treasure of faith in God by acknowledging him daily in prayer and in the word, the treasure of self-improvement. <laughs> in a disciplined life. And I want to thank my mom for teaching us all to rise early to pray. What a gift. What a gift. These seeds of faith, these earthly treasures have grown and taken fruition in my life and shaped me into the woman that I am today, the wife and the mother I am today, the Christian that I am today, the pastor's wife that I am today. I gleaned a lot from my mom. If I can be half of what faith was in her life, I will count myself lucky. I want to share another story of faith, and this story begins with the heartache of a young woman who had a Naomi in her life, a Naomi who went by the name of Janice O'Keefe. Janice could have abandoned and left this young woman 
because this young woman was a reminder of someone she had lost. But she stayed true and was a guiding light in this woman's life. This woman is Lori, R. Lori Williams. In her suffering, she surrounded herself with friends and we met daily at the church, Lori, Valerie, and myself, and we prayed. And we then after, after we would pray in the morning, we would go to breakfast and have fellowship together and share our, our um, hearts with one another. Uh, and then we would go, they would go to work and I would go rush back home to get my children ready for school. And because we did this, and I don't know how long we shared this relationship, I, 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 I really, I'd have to ask Lori and Valerie how long we did this together. But because of that, our hearts are knitted even to this day. And it was probably happened 30 years ago. We have a forever friendship. Our hearts were knit together. And while Lori was going through her suffering, she worked with a girl named Kathy. And Kathy was going through a lot at the time. And Lori brought her to church and fell in love. And she loved it. She loved the church. There was a story of a Samaritan woman that Jesus ministered to at the well. And he told her things in her life that nobody else, that no stranger would have known. And he ministered to her and she began to believe that he was the Messiah. And she got so excited that she went and she told all her friends, come and see. I think this, this is the Messiah. Come and see. He's a man so full of wisdom. He told me all about my life. Come and see. And this is what they said. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days and many more believed because of the word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. And that is what happened to Kathy. She became a believer herself. It says in Exodus 13, three, that Moses said unto the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for the strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. And that's what God did. He delivered Kathy from the hand of bondage. He brought her out through the hand of Lori, her friend. And when she came to the Lord, she had tough decisions to make. She had tough decisions. Uh, she had to forsake a, a lot of things. But she answered the call and her life was not easy. She had two children to raise, a boy and a girl, Jameson and Cassandra. And sometimes... It, it, she was all on her own. Sometimes she had to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. She was always faithful to the house of God. She tried to live a, a righteous life. She raised her children in the fear of God. Psalms 101 says, I'm finding my way down the road of right living, but how long before you show up? I'm doing the very best I can and I'm doing at home where it counts. There were times, I don't know if any of you have gone through this, when there's suffering and you think, God, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you see my suffering? Do you see my struggle? Where are you? <laughs> Where are you, God? I am living the life. I'm trying to do what's righteous. Today, both of her children are a testament to her faithfulness. Jameis is getting married to a wonderful girl this year. 
She loves him and she loves Kathy, which is very important also. And Cassandra has devoted herself to the work of God. Um, she was in my home a lot. She was my, my, uh, she was one of Brittany's best friends. And, um, she has dedicated herself to the work of God. When she was here, she was always working in the youth and helping in any way that she could. And when Pastor Jamil came to be with us, she was, her, he, she was his right hand girl, always willing to serve. And so when he started the church in Ascend, um, she went along with a lot of our other young couples to help in that work. And now she again is his right hand man or right hand, <laughs> right hand girl. And we're so proud of her, so proud of both Jameson and Cassandra, what they have become and a testament, a living testament to Kathy and how she raised her children in the, in the fear of God and in the faith. She used what little she had and it grew into something great and she will never be alone. Someday she'll have grandchildren around her. I can't wait for that day, Kathy. You deserve everything you get. And someday and right now your children rise up and call you blessed. Back to Lori's story. The Bible says uh, in Proverbs 15, 6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. And Kathy didn't have much treasure, earthly treasures, but she is rich. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Lori eventually came through her trial and married and of course wanted children. And she got pregnant and miscarried. And she had issues with... Um, um, uh, becoming pregnant and she had issues with being able to carry the child, the children. And um, they were th considering uh, in, in vitro and decided against it because she wouldn't be able to carry multiple children. She couldn't carry even two children. She could barely have, there was barely enough room for her to carry one. And so she gave up the dream of having her own children but there was a prophecy made over her that she would be a mother someday. And so they decided to try adoption. And Lori and Gary applied for adopting a child in China. And they were all on their way. And all of a sudden, all the paperwork was done and they were getting ready to uh, get their money together to, to start the process. And my friend Valerie, our friend Valerie called her and had a contact and knew of a little girl that needed adopted. And she thought of Lori and she called and said, Lori, what do you think? And Lori called me, oh, Sister Hoffman, I thought I wanted a, a baby girl. And if I, if, I, if I give this up, if I give this up with the China thing, I might not ever, it might take years for me to us to get back in line. And, and we've been on the waiting list for so long I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And it was curious because where this child came from, this little girl came from, we had just been to that church and met the little girl. <laughs> and so I could reassure her, Lori, she's a beautiful little girl. And the she has become the church's child. The church loved her and took care of her and wrapped their arms around her. She was raised under a difficult situation. And so I said, Lori, why don't you and Gary just go check it out? Go meet the girl. 
And so she did. And as soon as they saw her, they fell in love with her. And the Lord gave her scriptures to reassure her heart that she was on the right path. And they decided to adopt Annie. And at three years old, Annie became their child. (laughs) Annie, that's what they named her, Annie. And today, Annie is a beautiful woman going to college, intelligent, loves the Lord with all her heart. It just, um, every time I see her worshiping and she'll just dance before the Lord, freely giving. And I thought, God, how wonderful that you placed this child in the arms of loving parents. There's a scripture that says, in Psalms 113.9, he gives childless couples a family, gives them joy as the parents of the children. Hallelujah. And nobody loved mothering more than Lori. Nobody loved being a father more than Gary. And they poured into the child so much so that they decided not to have any more children. They were committed to Annie and what she has grown to be a beautiful, beautiful flower. She has matured this year. She has blossomed. I'm so proud of you, Annie. I love you and I love your parents. This is what's so great about being, about pastoring and being in Christ and being able to see the stories and the testimonies of those raised up in the church and dedicating their life to God and the beautiful testimonies that come from that. Um, We have other stories of women that have persevered in the house of adversity and made their home instead of adverse, a house of adversity, a house of faith. In Proverbs 14, one, it says, every wise woman buildeth her house. Regina raised eight children under difficult situations, never bitter, working, running her boys back and forth to sporting events, selling candy every Sunday morning to pay for the sporting equipment and camps sacrificing for her children. The church adopted them as our own and tried to help. Bianca came and lived with me when she was um, her last year of school. And she became like my adopted daughter. Brittany was gone and Ashley was lonely. And so she became Ashley's second sissy. (laughs) She is now our youth pastor, pastor's wife, Tiffany and Charmaine married in the church and are teaching life groups and working in the children's ministry. And we're waiting for the other children to rise up and call her blessed. She took a circumstance of sorrow and turned it into joy. She chose to trust God and raise her kid in a house of righteousness, a house of faith. Numbers 20, 12, 7 says, my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful, in all my house. And that's how I think of Regina and Kathy and these mothers who bring their children to the house of God alone, raising their house, their children in the house of faith. There are women that have no children or family that have taken their circumstance in their home and devoted it to God. I'm thinking of Karen Blankenship, who daily Every is the last one that always leaves uh, the tabernacle or the church, always locking up, always here, always giving, praying, uh, caring, sending cards, 
um, I appreciate you, Karen. I appreciate the faithfulness that you have. And someday, uh, God's going to give you an adopted daughter, somebody in the church, adopted children that will rise up and call you blessed. The church as a whole rises up and calls you blessed. We want to honor you. We can leave treasures of blessings or earthly treasures of curses. (laughs) The curse lasts up to four generations, but the blessings last for a thousand generations. In Jeremiah 32, 18, it says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. In the message, it says it like this. You are loyal in your steadfast love to thousands upon thousands, but you also make children live with the fallout from their parents' sins. Great and powerful God, name God, of angel armies. Exodus 34, seven says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And that will be by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. But on the flip side in Deuteronomy 7, nine, it says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God and faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Psalms 103, 17 says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. I hope today that you can plant the seed of faith in your children and in or in your grandchildren or both that's what i want to do i want to leave treasures here on earth that my children can be blessed with rather than curse i want to leave blessings and not cursings i want to live my life in a way that that my ch- that i can bless my children i want to bless my church family and my adopted children in the lord I want to live a life that they want to um, pattern after. I feel a great responsibility to mentor and to love and to cherish these women in the church. John 3, 3 says, For I, great, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth his adopted children in the Lord. God bless you. Honor your mother today. Take time to appreciate the little things. Don't miss the opportunities to love and to cherish. Have faith in the little things of life that God sees. God sees what you do. (laughs) Psalms 118.26 says, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. I've asked Sister Debbie to sing a song today to end my sermon. God bless you and keep you.